Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. This afternoon's class has been sponsored by a few families for Refua Shalema. One by the Hedaya family for Refua Shalema, Maurice and Gladys Hedaya, Moshe Ben Batya, and Simha Batsara. Also, Refua Shalema Yafa Zakiye Bat Mazal by our family, and also Refua Shlema for Yitzhak Ben Hanom Hana. All of them, Be'ezat Hashem, should have a speedy recovery. Amen. So we've been studying the subject of Hesed. It is, it is the only way that a person will be able to reach Hakaratatov to reach Simha. We've been the last few classes trying to figure out how to have Ahavat Hesed. As we explained last week, Ahavat Hesed doesn't just mean that I like to do the right thing because Hashem said I should do the right thing. That's generally what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to love to do what Hashem said because we owe Him so much. But when it comes to Ahavat Hesed, we're supposed to love the Hesed. We have to actually love it. If we are missing Ahavat Hesed, so we're missing a lot of the benefits that Hesed brings us. In order to love it, we have to understand what it does for us. Last week, we started to explain how much Hesed is capable of doing for all of us. We're going to continue today by giving other examples. We'll open up with Mishle. Shlomo Amelech says, Bechol et ohev hareya ve'ah letzara yivaled. Bechol et means in every time, in even the most difficult times. Ohev hareya. We should love like ve'ahavta lereacha. Rea means a friend. Which means that even in the most difficult circumstances, ohev hareya, go out of your way for others. Treat them with ahava like you would treat yourself. Take care of them like you would take care of yourself. Worry about them like you worry about yourself. Ve'ah letzara yivaled. Says Shalomo HaMelech, something interesting is going to happen when you do that. Again, bechol et means always. Bechol et doesn't mean once in a while. All of us do good once in a while. All of us have kindness in our lives. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Bechol Et. Bechol Et means this is who you are. That's what you're all about. Bechol Et. No matter what the situation is. Like we say by Hashem, Ki le'olam hazdo. It's always. Of course we make mistakes. People make mistakes. We're humans. 
But that should be the exception, not the rule. Bechol et ohevareya. Ve'ah letzara yivaled. Says Shalom HaMelech. By going out of your way for people. Ah letzara. The word tzara means sorrow. Means a time of grief. Lo alenu. Ve'ah letzara yivaled. You're creating... Something is being born out of your ahavat re'acha. What's being born? You're creating something. You're creating a brother to your tzara. You're creating someone to help your situation that you might come into need. Ve'ah le'tzara yivaled. Says the Midrash on this pasuk, Mikan atalamen. From here, a person can learn. A person who accepts upon himself to do a mitzvah, meaning to help somebody, to do an act of kindness. En ota mitzvah poseket mi beto. That mitzvah is never going to expire from his family. You created something. Meaning when you do something for someone, you've created something that's going to be there for you and for your family. I want to share with you a story to explain this pasuk. It's a beautiful story that I saw. Happened about 10 years ago in Boston. There is a rabbi in Boston. His job is to help Jews who are completely secular. Can we close? Thank you. Who are completely, completely secular, did not grow up with any religion, barely know that they're Jewish. And his work is to go into the universities, college campuses, to see if he can inspire them, make them aware of their identity, maybe bring them even closer. Whatever he can do, that's his job. <coughs> this rabbi met a boy or a young man in Boston University. Again, this guy was completely secular, knows nothing. He spoke to him a few times. He asked him to come to class a few times. And there was a very light connection between them. And the, this young man never really took to anything. And then a year or two later, they went on a trip to Israel. A 10-day trip to Israel. And he decided that he's going to go with them. Probably it's a free trip. Probably he was expecting to get, you know, uh, uh, a nice tour of Israel. It's a beautiful country. And on this trip, something happened to this young man by the Kotel. And when he came back, even though before he wasn't willing to move even an inch, he came back and told his rabbi that he wants to start 
to take something on. He wants to do one thing. So if the rabbi can help him figure out what that thing should be. Now remember, you're talking about a person who knows nothing about anything. No Shabbat, no Kashrut, no Tefillah, no Tefillin, not zero. Lo Alenu, that's what it is. So the rabbi is trying to think what has worked in the past to get something from the person. So you think he told him maybe, maybe stop eating uh, meat out. Don't eat not kosher meat. Or he told him maybe you should keep Shabbat. Again, a light Shabbat according to what he could handle. Maybe no phone on Shabbat. Something that a person could do and hopefully we know mitzvah, goreret mitzvah. So as he's thinking and they're going back and forth, what should he do? He tells the rabbi, you know something? I decided, I know what I'm going to do. He says, really, what did you decide? He says, I'm going to put on sisit every day. Every day, I'm going to wear sisit. The rabbi was stunned. Wear sisit every day. There are many Jews who keep Shabbat and eat kosher and don't put on sisit. This guy wants to put on sisit. Where did he get this from? I don't know, maybe at the Kotel he saw a guy wearing Sisid. Something got him excited about Sisid. He told him, I am going to put on Sisid every day. That's going to be my commitment. This was in May. It was summer break. He went back home, somewhere in upstate New York. And it was the Sha'be'ah, which, again, to this person meant very little. But he decided that, you know what, it's the Sha'abi'ab. It's proper, he should go to shul. So he told his mother, he wants to go to shul. His mother was very, very active in the reformed synagogue of that city. But he told her he doesn't really want to go there. He wants to go to the Orthodox shul. She told him, you know something, she'll drop him there and she'll even go with him. So now they go to the Orthodox shul, the Sha'abi'ab. I don't know what he's expecting. He walks in to the building and he sees this big plaque and he's looking at it. He can't be staring, can't believe what he's looking at. He sees there's a whole plaque right in front of the shul dedicated to a very special man whose name is someone he was very familiar with. It was none other than his grandfather. His grandfather was honored by the shul as someone who was a founder of the community and it was his mother's father. He never saw that before. He turned to his mother and said, I don't believe it. He never told me grandpa was involved in the synagogue here. She told him, listen, I'm involved in the other shul here. I don't really, there's no reason to tell you. Now he's staring at it and he's reading all about his grandpa. And someone, an older man walks by and says, he says, you knew that man? He says, yeah, that's my grandpa. I said, well, did you know him? He says, wow, that was a very special person. He says, tell me about him. What was special about him? He says, I'll tell you one thing, something very memorable. He says, every day he would come to shore with money. And whoever he would see is wearing sisit, he would give them a quarter. He says, that's one thing we remember about you, Grandpa. He wanted to make sure everyone was wearing sisit. Could you imagine such a thing? And this boy, 
eventually Baruch Hashem made his way back. What, what connection does he have with his seed? I, I don't know. But that's what Shlomo Melech is saying. Which means go out of your way for another person. This person went out of his way to help another Jew wear his seat day in and day out. This grandpa has a tzara. His tzara is his grandson who's completely off the derech, has no connection. But he created an ah. He created a brother for the tzara when he did all that he did. So sometimes you don't even know how far reaching your actions are. You know, we live in a world of instant gratification. Sometimes it comes that way and sometimes it doesn't. But says Shalom Amalek, guaranteed, you're creating an ah. The Pasuk says in Mishle, very famous Pasuk, Lo yo'il hon beyom evra. Money is not going to help anybody in the time of Evra, time of wrath. But yet charity, it means no matter how much money you have, it's not going to help you in difficult times. But charity, when you give money, even from death, it's able to save the person. I think all of us are familiar with this pasuk. There is a power of tzedakah, again, tzedakah that comes with ahavat hesed, tzedakah that's done the right way. Tzedakah that's done besimha, tzedakah that's done when you thank the person who you're giving because you know they're helping you more than you're helping them. Real tzedakah, that's a powerful, powerful tool, Hashem. Tzedakah has in it hayim, has in it life itself. You know, the question is, does tzedakah help even when a person is already, God forbid, sick or already in danger? Or is it just something you have to invest beforehand? The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Ashre maskil eldal. Fortunate is the person who thinks about the needy, who thinks about what the other person needs. Because on a bad day, Hashem will save him. From this pasuk, it sounds like it's an investment. It sounds like it's something you have to do beforehand. It's not something you do when you're struggling and there's nothing else to do. You went to every doctor in the world. You saw every single medicine that's possible and you saw there's nowhere else and nothing else. And then you say, you know something? Let me read the Pasuk. It's the last chance. Let me see what it can do. From this Pasuk, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like Ashre Maskil Eldal. If you're that kind of person, If that day comes, Hashem will help you. But you have to invest it beforehand. Very similar pasuk in, in Mishle. It says, Shelah lachmecha al pene hamaim, which means send your bread in the water, let it go, let the waves take it. Ki berov hayamim, and many days later, timtsa'enu, you might find that bread coming to feed you. 
Again, sounds like it's a long-term investment. Doesn't sound like it's something you do for immediate gratification. There's a famous story brought down in Masechet Avot Terbi Natan. It says over there that there was <clears throat> a certain great person who was very, very powerful when it came to tzedakah. He was known as a Baal tzedakah. And one time he was on a ship and there were strong winds that came on this ship and the ship sank in the ocean. And Rabbi Akiva was there. He saw this person on the ship and it sank. So he came to Beddin to testify that this man is dead. This way his wife doesn't have to be stuck. She can marry somebody else. He came to Beddin, Rabbi Akiva, and he's about to stand up and testify that this person died. Otherwise he'd just be missing. We don't know where he is. All of a sudden, as he stood up, who comes in? The guy comes to Beddin. He's rushing into Beddin to tell him, I'm here. I'm alive. Rabbi Akiva says, one second, did I make a mistake? He told him, Are you the guy that was on the ship that sank? Wasn't that you? Amar lehen, yeah, that was me. He says to him, How did you get out? There were no people there. Your boat, your ship sank. How are you here? Amar leh, he told him, asiti, it's the kadra I did all my life. He he'elitani minayam. She took me out. It's the kad took me out of the ocean. Saved me. Says Rabbi Akiva to this man, Amarlo. He says to him, Me'ain atayodeya. So how do you know? Who told you how you got saved? How do you know it's the Maybe it was tefillah. Maybe it was something else. How did you know it's the Amarle, he said to him, when I was in the deep waters and ready to leave this world, he heard some sort of very loud sound. I don't know what he was listening to. They were talking to each other. Again, I don't know what he's listening to. I don't know. It's never happened to me. Baruch Hashem, I can't tell you. But that's what it says. He told him, I heard a very loud sound. Zo omer lezo. Vezo omer lezo. They're talking to each other. Rutsu. Rutsu means rush. Venaale eta isha ze minayam. We need to get this guy out of the ocean. She'asad sedaka kol yamav. He did sedaka all his life. Get him out of there. So the actual waves, looks like, picked him up and took him out of the ocean. Again, the point of the story is, again, the same idea. It's not staka that was done at that moment. It's not when he was sinking, he decided to give staka. He did staka his whole life. He invested in Hesed, and Hesed became his brother, and Hesed became his savior. But the truth is, it's not only that kind of Hesed. Pasuk says in Mishle, says Shalomu HaMelech. Kofer Nefesh Ish Ashro. 
The word kofer means to redeem. Nefesh ish means a person's life. Ashro means his wealth. What Shlomo Amalek is saying, as the Gaon explains, that sometimes a person will give a person an opportunity to redeem himself through money, which means Hashem will put a person in a difficult situation, whatever difficult situations mean, and that situation Hashem will give a pidyon, which means He will give the ability to that person to redeem himself from that situation. So that means even if a person wasn't the person who's constantly helping and doing, if they're in a dire situation, it could be that this situation, the way out of it is by giving money, by giving tzedakah, by doing chesed. A person may not know if his situation is that. Not every situation tzedakah is going to get you out of mavet. That's not what he's saying. He never meant that. But there are situations that tzedakah is the redemption. We never know which one it is. So yes, even in times where a person is stuck and he hasn't been coming to these classes and he hasn't been involved in hasad, yet there is still a power of tzedakah in that situation to redeem the person. The Pasuk says in Yeshaya, you see, this subject, it's important to bring you Pesukim. It's always important to bring Pesukim. I just don't want you to think this is something that we just thought of this morning and we decided to come and inspire you to do Hesed so that it should protect you and that you should have good life and everything should be good. We're bringing Pesukim from Tanakh, that this is something documented from the words of Hashem. That he's telling us that Hesed has tremendous koah. Says the Pasuk in Yeshaya. Va'asim devarai beficha. I will put my words in your mouth. Upsel yadi kisiticha. I will cover you with the shade of my hand. Basically, Hashem is saying, I will be your security blanket. I will surround you. You don't have to hire security. You don't need to get bodyguards. You don't need protection from the doctors. You don't need anything. yadi. Hashem says, my hand, I will put over you to protect you. Beautiful. Says the Gemara, the Talmud Yerushalmi says, what do you have to do for that? How do you get yadi kisiticha? How do you earn that Hashem is protecting you? Protecting you, protecting your children, protecting your family. Says the Yerushami Ve'asi. Upsel yadiki siticha zo gemilut hasadim. If you do hasad, Hashem promises that He will be there for you. Ve'asim devare beficha is referring to Torah. Says the Yerushami, from here we learn. Le'lam metcha. Shekol mishehu osek batorah. Someone who's involved in Torah study. And with kindness, he is zocheh to be protected by HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. 
No greater protection than that. The Gemaran Masechet Shabbat brings a very famous story about Rabbi Akiva's daughter. The Gemara says that Rabbi Akiva had a daughter and the astrologers told him that this girl, the moment she enters her chupa to get married, she is going to get bitten by a snake and die. This is when she was born. That's what he was told. So you can imagine what kind of struggle Rabbi Akiva had when he was looking for a shidduch for his daughter. On one hand, he wants her to get married. On the other hand, he wants her to be alive. So it was a struggle, I imagine. And it says here in Gemara Masechet Shabbat that came the day of the Chuppah, he found her Hatan. Now in those days they didn't make Weddings like we make weddings. They had something in the house. They actually cooked their own food. They served their guests. Simple. So they're preparing. Preparing the seuda, preparing everything. It's, a, it's usually hectic the day of for any family in any place. But in that, in that situation probably was more. And the Gemara says that Rabbi Akiva's daughter, she while she was, I guess, preparing, putting her makeup, I don't know what she was doing, she took her hair clip and she stuck it in the wall. I guess that was the way they put up the hair clips. They didn't have any fancy, uh, you know, uh, closets, whatever it is. She took a clip and she put it in the wall. The Gemara says the next day, when she took out the clip, it was hard to get it out. She pulled it out and there was a snake the clip hit the eye of the snake and killed it. So Rabbi Akiva, when she told him what happened, he told her, what did you do that you got saved from this Nahash? Something happened. What did you do? You must have done something. She told him yesterday, when everybody was busy, preparing for the wedding, imagine the Kala herself, also busy makeup, whatever she was doing. And this man came to the door, very hungry, and wanted to eat. Nobody paid attention to him. Who has time? Can you imagine that day? Somebody wants to come sit with you to feed him? That's not a day you want to help people now. You're busy. And if everyone could imagine such a moment. He came to the door, he needs food, nobody paid attention to him. They're all busy. So the Kala herself went and made him a plate and gave it to him to eat. So Rabbi Akiva says to his daughter, here's an example. Your charity, your chesed yesterday saved you from death. Again, these stories are not one-time stories. What Gemara is telling you is this is the way of charity, is the way of kindness. I'll tell you one last story. Gemara says, you know, I'll skip the story for now. I'm going to skip the story for now. I'll get back to it later. I'm going to tell you a story that happened a few weeks ago. We're talking stories in Masachet Shabbat and in Perkei Avot. 
These stories you can't make up. I was involved in this story. So it's definitely, you're hearing it firsthand. I'm not going to give you names. But last Mosei Shabbat, I was zuchet to attend a Saudat Hoda'ah. Somebody called me. We're having a Saudat Hoda'ah. Coming to thank Hashem for saving the life of my family and the life of my neighbor's family. Okay. I know the person. I know the story. So I'm going to share it with you. A few months ago, a family came from out of New York. A rabbi came with his wife and a few children. And he's spending a year in America for whatever reason. He's actually coming to do chesed for his community. And while he's here, he needed a place to stay. He needs to be in the community. So there was a family in the community who had a house. Their son, married with children, lived on the first floor. The second floor apartment was empty. Probably in today's times, it's probably $5,000 a month at a home. Prime space, big apartment. So the family said, we're gonna do this rabbi and his wife a chesed. They gave them the apartment for free. They said, you could stay here. You're coming to help our community, help your community. Take the apartment. Okay, this is in September. He's looking around for a place. He was zocher that these people actually gave him the apartment. He's living in the apartment. About a month later, month and a half later, his little girl gets stuck in a room and the door is locked. He doesn't know what to do. He could break the door down. He wasn't sure if he should do that. So he called the neighbor downstairs and says, what should I do? I can't, can't open the door. She said, we go, call, call Chaverim. Call Chaverim. She called Chaverim. Guy came, took him a few minutes, the door is open and the little girl's out. On his way out, starts hearing a beep. He looks down, he sees, he, he has a carbon monoxide detector. I don't know who walks around with carbon monoxide detectors. Maybe all Chaverim do, I don't think so. But he had a carbon monoxide and all of a sudden, it's beeping. So he asked this man, he says, do you have a carbon monoxide detector in the house? He says, I don't know, I don't think, I don't see any. He says, well, let's go downstairs. Ask the guy downstairs. They don't have either. None in the basement, none on the first floor, none on the second floor. He says, I don't know what's up with your apartment, but you better get one today. So they went out and they installed carbon monoxide detectors in the first floor, second floor. And then I guess whatever, it wasn't beeping, I guess everything was fine. He says, that night, or the two nights, it was two nights later, he got very, very cold. These people were not from a cold city. So he got cold. He needed to put on the heat. He doesn't have to put on heat. So he turned all the way to the end. Okay. So now it's, it's getting warm in the house. They fell asleep. At about 1 
or 103, I think, 108, I don't know, one something AM, all of a sudden the carbon monoxide detector went off and downstairs and upstairs. And they evacuated. He found a place to go sleep. He called somebody one in the morning. It was also a big hazard. This guy went back to his family, his mother. Bottom line is man, that kind of carbon monoxide. You could sleep right through it. You'll never feel it. And you'll be all dead. Every single one of them. It's an unbelievable thing. Silent death. That's what it's called. It's an unbelievable thing. So think for a second. Here's a family that was doing chesed to help somebody. Meanwhile, they were saving their friend's life. Could you imagine that? That's why it's called Ahavat Hasan. Because you have no idea what you're doing for yourself. You're think, you think you're helping that family, oh wow. You watch, you see them every day, you say, these people, they're living here in my zakhut. they're so lucky to have me, I'm the one who gave them, I'm the one who helps them. They're saving your life. Hashem put them there to save you, your wife, and your children. And we have to think, again, they're not always going to be these kind of stories. You can't make this up. That the girl, that they came here, and the girl gets locked in the room, and they call the Khamer guy, and he has a come. It's impossible. But that's the way of chesed. The ah valid. You're creating an ah for your own tzara. So love it, because you're helping yourself more than anybody else. One more story. I don't like usually telling stories, but I guess so I guess I have them, so I'll say. Another unbelievable this is an unbelievable story. This is really I wasn't involved, so but I think I have the family's names. I pretty much can vouch for it. 2017 in Orlando, Florida. There's a group of friends. They always go together with their families. They rent homes in Florida and Orlando. So I don't know which vacation, whatever, Hanukkah, I don't know when. And after they came back from the trip that year, they made a, one of the families made a Saudat Hoda. What was a Saudat Hoda? They invited all their friends and family. They made a special sauda, and the father of this family got up and spoke and told over the story that happened to them during this trip. So basically the schedule is, I guess they pray, the men pray in the morning, they learn, and then the ladies go out, they go for exercise, they go shopping, whatever it is. So it was a point in the day where the women were all out, and they left the children with the men. This is a very dangerous thing to do. <laughs> it's a fact. It's dangerous. Especially, especially if there's a pool around. <laughs> anyway, but that's what happened. Now the father's there, the little kids are there, the four-year-old's there, the, boy, the, the 18-month-old's there. His name is Izzy, the 18-month-old boy. All of a sudden, they realize, where's Izzy? Can't find him. Where is he? 
They're looking, they're looking, they go out to the pool. Izzy's there in the water. They start screaming, who are you calling in Florida, in Orlando, Florida? Who are you gonna call when Izzy's in the water? Who's gonna save him? They're screaming, all of a sudden, one of the people on the trip happens to be a Hatzalah member. He happens to be coming down the steps. He rushes to hear the sound. He takes the baby out, does whatever he has to do, calls an ambulance, takes him to the hospital. Great story, Baruch Hashem. Boy is healthy, everything is great. So we're having a seudat We saved Izzy's life. What a, what a miracle that, that the guy's coming down the steps while they're screaming and he's on the trip. What a story. Everyone is, of course, amazed by such a miracle that happened to them. And as everyone's excited after they heard such an amazing story, all of a sudden, the wife of the Hatzalah member that saved his life says, but I want to speak. I want to say something. Everyone's wondering, what is she going to say? After, after the, we hit the peak here, what is there to say after that? That's the worst time to speak. She gets up and she says, there's something I want to tell everybody here that maybe the other families they don't want to share. But everyone should know that we go on this trip every year with all these families. But this year, this year, me and my husband were struggling financially, and we really couldn't afford to go. We decided this year, we're not going. Nothing bad, by the way. She can't go on a trip, she can't go on a trip. So we decided we're staying home. When that family heard that we were staying home, we got a call from them, and they said, no way. You always come with us. We're not leaving you home alone. We're gonna pay for your trip. Izzy's parents paid for their trip to come because they didn't want them to feel left out. Izzy's parents saved their child's life when they paid for their trip. Ahabat Hassan, you don't love saving your son's life? How could you not love what Hesed is doing for you? Again, I wish everything was be as clear as your story. I wish every time you had an opportunity to help somebody, you would be able to see exactly the ending. But guess what? If Hashem made it clear, then it wouldn't be any free choice. Who would not do it? Who would not love Hesed? But it wouldn't be your choice. It would be something that Hashem did for you. So Hashem gives us these stories and these miracles that happen so we could talk about them as examples. When the Gemara gives these stories, it's not to share with you some amazing thing that happened once. It's telling you Hashem allows us once in a while, both in the past and in our own lifetime. Here I'm experiencing these stories. And I'm sure each and every one of you has a story. 
The reason why Hashem gives us this story is not to celebrate the story. It's to realize that this is the rule. Hashem is very much ne'eman. Ne'eman means He's consistent. Hashem does the same thing all the time. And if He says, Hasid saves your life, Hasid is saving your life. You may not know it, you may not know when, but it's happening. And these stories are meant just to remind us that's what's going on with us. That's how you get Ahabat Hasid. Ahabat Hasid comes from a realization that you're helping yourself the same way you love to eat and you love to drink and you love to relax. You should love to do Hasid because you're doing it for yourself more than anybody else. I'm going to share with you now a different story about something else that Hasid is necessary for. You have Shlomo Amelech after years, hundreds of years, Am Yisrael is waiting to build the Bet HaMikdash. They're ready. David HaMelech found the spot. That was a big deal. They didn't know where it was going to be. Hashem did not allow him to build it, but he told him, your son Shlomo, he's going to build it. And Shlomo HaMelech invested money, people, years to build the most magnificent building. This is the Bet HaMikdash. This is not a synagogue. It's not a Bet Midrash. It's the Bet HaMikdash. There's only one Bet HaMikdash for all of Kalisa. Just you can't imagine what it felt like as that building was going up. It's the one building that all of Am Yisrael could say, it's my building. He constructed the Bet HaMikdash and everything was beautiful and ready. And now came the time to bring the Aron, the Aron HaKodesh that had in it the tablets and it had in it the Torah Moshe Rabbeinu that he wrote. And they're gonna bring it, the Aron, into its final destination. They call it Pitha Olam, the doors of eternity. Because at that time, the Aron kept going from place to place. From the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, it was going from the Midbar, it went to, to uh, Shiloh, it went to Pelishtim, it was all over the place. It had no home. And now it was about to go into a room in the Bet HaMikdash called the Kodesh HaKodashim, the Holy of Holies, where today we have the Kotel HaMa'aravi. That's a wall behind the Kodesh Kodashim. So that room is a very, very special room. And the Aaron is placed in that room. And now there was like a, I imagine, imagine we have a, an opening of a shul. The first thing they do is they bring the Sefer Torah, one Sefer Torah, two Sefer Torah, and they have a big celebration. And finally, they're about to put the Sefer Torah in the Hechal. Shalom HaMelech is bringing the Aaron in to the Kodesh Kodashim. Says the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat, Listen to what happened. It's a very important story. Listen to the story. When Shalomo built the Bet HaMikdash, he, wanted, he was ready to bring the Aaron into the Kodesh Kodashim. Davku she'arim ze baze. 
The gates, they stuck to each other like glue and would not open. There wasn't something that you call a locksmith for, not that kind of not opening. You can't call Haverian for this one. It wasn't that kind. It wasn't opening. Could you imagine we came and we finally built this beautiful building and ready for the highlight to bring in the Aron to the Kodesh Kodashim? It's not opening. And Shlomo understood this was not a, an issue of a lock. It was not an issue of a door malfunction. He understood. It's not opening. We got to do something. So what do you do? Amar Shlomo. Aisrim ve'arba'a renanot. Shlomo Melech. He said 24 prayers. Now, I don't know what a prayer of Shlomo Melech sounds like. I imagine it's different than our tefillot. And this was 24, 24 tefillot of Shlomo Melech. Hoping that this would open the door. Says the Gemara, Velo ne'ena. Didn't do anything. Didn't budge the doors. He started to say Pesukim, ones that we know familiar with in Tehillim. Se'u she'arim rashechem. He spoke to the gates, open up. Ve'inase'u p'tchei olam ve'yavo melech ha'kavod. You're, this is the eternal doors, Pithe Olam. Open up so the Melech Kavod could walk in. There's the Aron Kodesh waiting. What are you doing? Open up. Says the Gemara Velona Back and forth. Lona a few times. He's stuck. There's nothing to do. Then he said something and the doors open. What did he say? He says like this, Adonai Elohim, he tells Hashem, Zohra lehasde David Avech. He says, remember the kindness that David HaMelech did in his life. He says the Gemara, Miyad Nana. Right away they open. The truth is, if I was David HaMelech's son, and I had to bank on some merit that David Amelch did great in his life. I definitely would have brought up maybe Sefer Tehillim. We use this book every day. We pray from this book, basically. But yet, nothing was able to help Shalom Amelch in that situation, except that the Hesed of David, the kindness that David did in his life, was going to be the power to open these doors to allow the Arona Kodesh in. Now, in truth, I don't want you to look at this as a story that happened by Shlomo Melech. This is a real time story for every one of us. This is a story that happens to us all the time. What do I mean by that? First of all, you should know the Mishkan. It's fascinating. One day we should to spend time in explaining it. But the Mishkan, Hazal tell us, is like, it's like a microcosm of a human body. If you took a drone and you went up top from the Mishkan, 
you would see a shape of the Mishkan is like a body with all the parts. And as you go higher and higher in the Mishkan, you will keep going higher and higher in the human. And then in the Mishkan, there's a room all the way in the end, the Ohel Mo'ed. And in this room, this room has two chambers. This room is like the face of the human. And in the innermost chamber of that room is called the Kodesh Kodashim, the Holy of Holies. That in the human head is the human mind. The human mind is the Kodesh Kodashim. That's where everything happens. That's where greatness happens. That's where failure happens. It's all about the Kodesh Kodashim. What do you put in your Kodesh Kodashim? What goes in your Kodesh Kodashim? What goes into your holy place in your mind? That's going to be the question that's going to determine your future. When you put the holy Torah in your Kodesh Kodashim, you have one kind of life. You put something else in your Kodesh Kodashim, you have a different kind of life. You know how many people would love to have the Torah and the Kodesh Kodashim? You know how many people, they sit down to learn and they can't understand what they're learning? You know how many people want to bring Torah into their life in general and struggle with it? They're not able to do it. Not every time we want that, are we able to do it? There are so many struggles, and everybody here knows that it's a struggle to bring the Torah into your Kodesh Kodashim. Even if you grew up with it, there are certain struggles that you have to go to the next level that you need to become something special. This struggle of Shilomo HaMelech is a real struggle that all of us have in our lives. It's a struggle of a person who has, has the inspiration and wants more in their life, but the doors are closed. They're not able to learn, they're not able, they're not able to grow. Blocking, things are blocking them. They can't move. Let me tell you something. We just read in this week's parasha. Everybody has to know this Rambam. In this week's parasha, in the beginning of the parasha, Moshe Rabbeinu already hit Paro with seven plagues. Mitzrayim is basically destroyed. Hashem tells Moshe, Boal Paro, go to Paro. Ki ani hichbati et libo. If you're wondering how this man is still stubborn, still holding out, Still saying, no, you guys aren't going. You're staying here. His country has been destroyed. There's nothing left. Every little child could see what's going on and say, but oh, I think it's time to let them go. You don't have a country anymore. What are you doing? Each Makkah in itself could destroy that country. He got seven for seven. Big ones. How is it that Paro is still 
staying stubborn. Says Hashem to Moshe, I'll tell you why. Ki ani ikhbati et I made him stubborn. Of course, if he was normal, if he was thinking like the normal Parao, the normal Parao is not a tipesh. Parao is never accused of being foolish. He's a smart man. He leads an entire country, the most successful country in the world. Parao is a very powerful, smart, strategic human being. How could it be that where did his brain go? Hashem says to Moshe, you're right, he is a smart man. I did not allow him. I kept him stubborn. I didn't let him change. That all of us heard. What maybe you didn't hear is the part you need to hear. Because like I told you many times, whenever you read about Paro, you're reading about yourself. And you always have to translate it into you. Says the Rambam in Ilchot Teshuvah. Says the Rambam, it's possible. Ve'efshar. She'yeheta adam het gadol. That a person can do a terrible sin. One. In their life. Or hata'im rabim. Or can be because he did many sins. At she'yiten adin. And these sins, or that big sin, will become a block that they will no longer be able to make teshuvah. That means they can go to a shiur and be inspired adla shamayim. They see the emet staring them face to face. They had trouble in their life and they realize where the trouble came from and they put them together and say, oh, whoa, I didn't realize, wow, this is emet. They saw the difference between their children and the other person's children. They realized what their shalom bayit looks like and the other guy's shalom bayit. They see their simha or lack of and the other guy. They're watching it face to face. And yet, they don't make any changes. How could you not make changes? I'll never forget, I had a story with a community family years ago. They made some very bad decisions with their son. I'm not going to discuss it now. They made some very bad decisions when he was a young boy. And I was involved to tell them, they're making bad decisions. You're making a bad decision. And they saw it otherwise, which is fine. It happens. And the product of that boy is a disaster. Till today. You don't know what gehina the boy is putting his parents. You have no idea. You don't want to know. But what's more shocking is that they have another boy a few years later. And after seeing what gehinam they're living, believe it or not, they make the same decisions. And you say to yourself, what happened to these? Are they blind? That's what it was like watching Paro. It was watching a man destroy his life and you just can't believe it. What is he do? What is he thinking? That's how, how it was like to watch this family. What are you doing? 
How could it be? But it's not just that family. It's so many of us that we see clear through experience. We see it through knowledge. We see it through inspiration. We do believe, we do see. You can't believe more than Paro. He's watching with his own eyes. There's nothing to believe. You don't need emunah if you're Paro. You're watching it. You're seeing it. Moshe is getting up there and he's predicting things. You know, if I predicted that it's going to snow tomorrow at 3.02 a.m. and 30 seconds, you'd say, wow, this is an amazing man. How do you know that? Even though snow is not a really a big miracle. But if I can predict it's going to happen at 3.02 and 30 seconds, that's big. And if I can predict that there's going to be blood from water, that's an amazing prediction, even if I didn't tell you when it's going to be. Could you imagine Moshe Rabbeinu gets up seven times and predicts exactly what's going to happen, when, and in the most amazing way. You don't need emunah for this. You're watching it with your own eyes. How could you watch with your own eyes your own destruction and your family's destruction and your country's destruction and you don't even budge? But don't be so surprised, says the Rambam, because there comes a point in a person's life where they've done something wrong, something so bad, or many things maybe, and they will no longer be able to change. They can go to classes, they can get inspired, they can read books, they can see, they can experience, and they will not change. Not just Paro. You could see many of us have the same problem. You know, when you read this Rambam, you really don't get too nervous. Because you know what? We're not Paro. Baruch Hashem. Paro is a terrible man. He's a murderer. Paro put people who are innocent to become slaves. Okay, we're not Paro. Yeah, a guy like Paro does these terrible things. Okay, that guy, he can be blocked from making changes because he did something very, very evil, very bad. And then the Rambam gives other examples in history where that happened to them. He says, we find by Sihon. Okay, Sihon Melech Abasha. Anybody here like Sihon? No, Baruch Hashem, Sihon Rasha. Nothing to worry about, we're good. He's a Kena'anim. How is it that they're watching Am Yisrael? You know, when they, when they beat Yericho, the first victory, they didn't fight. There were no missiles. There were no guns. There were no, no battles. They did Hakafot, seven Hakafot around Yericho. And the thing fell. Done. Goodbye. You don't think the Kena'anim would wake up? Big news. It's a nation that just went through the 10 plagues. The Yam Suf split for them. They got Matan Torah. Now they're walking around Yeriho and the thing is falling. What would you do if you were Kanani? Use your brain. Says the Rambam, they couldn't use their brain because they were blocked. They could see clear what's good for them, but they couldn't change it. Because Hashem says, Ani Sorry. The, the sins are overwhelming and they will not allow you to change. 
So again, when we hear this Rambam, it's Rambam, you can look it up. The Rambam is not, you know, giving stories. He's telling So when you read this Rambam, you say, okay, Baruch Hashem. Paro, I'm not. Sihon, I'm not. Kena'anim, I'm not. Good. But then comes Halakha Dalit. When Halakha Dalit, you succumb and say, wow, hold on. Says the Rambam, ze. Along these lines, says the Rambam, Sho'alin hatsadikim vehanevi'im. You will see, he says that great righteous people, in their prayer, they beg Hashem, le'ozram al ha'emet, to help them find the truth, to help them change. Kemo she'amar David, he gives an example. David says, Horeni Adonai Hashem, please lead me, show me to your derech. Kelomar says the Ramah, what is he trying to say? Aliyim Nauni Hata'ai. David Amelech is worried that maybe his sins, maybe is blocking him from getting to where he needs to get. Hata'ai derech ha'emet. So even David Melech is worried about not being able to change because maybe he's done something in his life that doesn't allow him to change. So you don't have to be Paro or Sihon or Kena'ani. Even David Melech. That means every one of us must also be concerned that we may be looking straight with our eyes at something so clear, something so important for ourselves, for our family, for our children, so simple, but it's not making a difference. And you have to wonder, maybe it's not making a difference because we have a blockage, because we can't change. Because there's nothing to change. That's the bad news. But there's good news. There's good news. The good news is that you see that tefillah helps. You see that even though you may be blocked, but tefillah, ask Hashem for help. It will help you. I will write you a guarantee, a written guarantee, guaranteed, no questions. That if you ask Hashem to help you, see clear and get close to Him. Guaranteed you will see Hashem open the doors for you. You see, the doors of the Kodesh Kodashim may be locked, just like they were by Shlomo Miller. They were locked. You know, you heard, you learned, you saw. You got it all. There's probably, by the way, nothing I can tell you in this class or many classes that you haven't heard. Because you learn everything, you know everything. I know everything. It doesn't mean that it's going to make a difference. 
because the Kodesh Kodashim is locked. So you go to a class, the Torah is right there by the door, but the doors are locked. There's no way to open them. Ki ani hichbati et libo. And you know what you need to open those doors? You need tefillah. I'm not talking about a tefillah where you get up and pray the Aminah. Not that kind of tefillah. I'm talking about a tefillah from your own heart, with your own words. A one minute, not one minute, 10 second tefillah. Before you end the Aminah. Guarantee. Again, if you pray for money, I can't guarantee I shouldn't really get money. Can't guarantee it. I'll tell you why I can't guarantee it. Because who says money is good for you? You pray for something to happen, I can't guarantee it's going to happen. But I can guarantee you that if you pray, say to Hashem, Hashem, I'm afraid that maybe my Kodesh Kodashim are locked. Please help me Help me get close to you. Help me, help me have bitahon in you. Help me feel under your umbrella. Help me, I need you. I guarantee you, Hashem will help you. Tefillah is so powerful, but it's gotta be real. Say it in English. Say it in your own words. You will see shamayim ba'aretz term. You will see things happen in your life that you never imagined. You look at yourself a year after and you say, how did I get here? What happened to me? It's an unbelievable koach Hashem put into this world, the power of tefillah. And while you're praying, if you could shed a little tear also, once in a while, it'd be also good. No one has to watch. No one has to know. It's just you. Finish the Amidah before I say Shalom. Stop. I need you to help me. I need your help. Please help me. It's so hard for me. I know I can do better. I know I can be better in so many ways. I go to classes, I learn, but I know I can do more. But it's so hard for me. I can't do it. I feel like it's locked. Please help me. Guaranteed once, twice, three times, four times, you will see in a short period of time, you will see tremendous Siatanishman. That's the story of Shalomu Amelech. It's a story of the Torah going into the Kodesh Kodashim. And the Kodesh Kodashim are locked. You need tefillah to open them up. But after all the tefillot of Shlomo, there needs something else to push that tefillah. And that's why you need this class. You need chesed. With all the tefillot and all the guarantees and all the power of Shlomo Melech, you need chesed to bring it home. Why? How come? Because when you ask Hashem, when you pray to Hashem, you're asking for chesed. You're asking Him to do you a favor. Help me. Give me life. Give me health. Give me guidance. Give me the strength. That's what you're asking for. 
You're asking for Hasan. Hashem says, let me see you. Let me see what you do for others. Let me see what you do when others need you. Are you doing Hasan for them? There's nothing that Hashem wouldn't do for us if we were doing Hasan for others. You know, people here have had an experience when they send their children away to Israel to go learn in yeshiva out of town. And they're there for months. Hardly hear from them. You don't know where they are. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know if they're hungry. You don't know if they're... You don't know. You have no idea. And all of a sudden you hear there's a family in Israel we invited them once, twice for Friday night dinner. They took care of them. One time they were sick, they came and they helped them. You don't know these people, they don't know you. What would you not do for these people who took care of your son? What would you not do for them? If you took care of your son, you're worried about your son and they're taking care of him. This is the way Hashem feels when it comes to us. You're praying, Hashem, help me. I need Hesed. Please open my eyes. Open my Kodesh Kodeshim. Please, I need it. Guaranteed, he's, a, he's ready to open. It's right there. You need to ask, like Shlomo asked. You have to ask. Don't just come up with a Hesed. You got to ask. But to put it through, you need your own Hesed. Ahavat Hesed, that means, answers Tfilot. Sometimes we feel like we pray and we pray and no one's listening. I prayed a thousand times for this. Nothing happened. Sometimes we feel like nobody cares. We feel like no one's listening. But at the end of the day, we must realize that what's blocking could be our avat hesed or lack of you must be able to say, David. Remember my, I'm asking you. In that case, why did he ask for David, by the way? Why didn't he ask for his own Hasan? Because the Beit HaMikdash was going to be built by David Amela. It was his Zechut. So Hashem said, le David. His Hasan should be answered. If it was Shlomo's building, it has to be his Hasan. Of course we rely on the Avot. That's why we say in the Amidah. Vezokher hasde Avot. The Avot, what were they? They were everything. They were Emet. They were Gibura. They were everything you could imagine. But when it comes to the Amidah, we say, Hashem, remember hasde Avot. Remember their Hesed. Because we're coming to pray now. We, we need Hesed. You can't expect a Tefillah to be answered don't be surprised why it's not answered if we don't have in our lives Avat Hesed. We must invest in Hesed to get our Tfilot answered. And who could live without getting their Tfilot answered? That's why it says David HaMelech, Va'ani berov hazdecha avobetecha. Before I come to your bayit, before I come to the Bet Knesset, first I come packed. Berov hazdecha. I come with a bag of hazard. That's how I come to the Beth Knesset. I don't come empty-handed. I don't come just asking. I come with a bag of hazard 
because I know that I'm asking you for hazard. I need to show you that this is what I do. Pasuk says, Ani betzedek echezefanecha. Hazan learned from that, that before you go to pray, give tzedakah. Before you ask, give charity. This is what we're learning about. We're learning about saving our children. We're learning about saving our lives. We're learning about putting our tefillot. Could you imagine that you had the key to your tefillot? Could you imagine that your tefillot would be on the level that Hashem says, oh, i got to answer you. And with this, I end. I'm going to read for you probably one of the more powerful Gemarot you're ever going to hear. Happens to be on this subject. I don't know if you're familiar with the word Hineni. The word Hineni in Tanakh means, not Hineni, Hineni means I am here at your service. Hineni. If someone would call me and someone that I respect and someone that I want to do whatever it is that they want, if my mother would say, come by now, I would say, Hineni. Here I am. Just ask. You'll find this word Hineni in Tanakh a number of times. For example, when Hashem calls Abraham, He tells him, Abraham, Abraham, Vayomer, Hineni. Here I am. Tell me what you want. I'll do it. Moshe, Moshe, Vayomer, Hineni. When Shmuel was called by Eli, He tells him, Hineni. Hineni is always by somebody who is younger, smaller, talking to someone greater, someone bigger, and saying, I'm here. Let me know what I can do to serve you. Hineni. But there's one time in Tanakh, it's an amazing thing, there's one time in Tanakh where Hashem himself says to someone, Hineni. Could you imagine? That if you say Hineni to me, it's nice, but I don't know what you're capable of. What are you gonna do for me? But imagine Hashem says to you, says to me, Hineni, I'm here at your service. You just say, Hineni, I am ready to serve you. Who got this Hineni? Once, only once. Who did Hashem tell Hineni to? It's a Pasuk in Yeshaya. I have to read for you some of the words. Halo faros laraev lahmecha. If you're worrying about the person who's hungry and you're giving him his bread. 
and your mind is occupied not only with yourself and your needs, but you bring into your bayit, into your mind, into your home, you bring the needs of others, family members, neighbors, community members. Are you thinking about them? Are you thinking about somebody in your life that might need you that you might not be actually realizing that it's right in front of you? When you see a person that needs clothing, you take care of them. You buy them clothing. And you don't turn away from your family. I never thought that someone had to warn me to turn away from my family. Maybe they should tell me I shouldn't turn away from my neighbors, maybe from far relatives, maybe from friends. Here it says, Umi besarecha lotit alam. Don't turn away from your family. Unfortunately, the reality is there are many, 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 many families who do not get along. Many brothers and sisters are fighting, whether it's about an inheritance issue, or it's about a jealousy issue, or it's about a mistreatment issue, or it's about a kin'ah issue, or all types of issues. Believe it or not, it happens almost in every family. It's scary. So many families, I mean, some of them are really bad, and some of them are just bad. And the outside, they make like everything is fine. But it's bad. Umi besarecha lotit alam. Be careful. Be careful to do hesed with your own family, with your own brothers and sisters and parents and children. Be careful. Because sometimes it gets hard. You know, it's easy to love the guy who lives in the other city. The people in Pittsburgh, we love them. We love them to death. But your own family is much harder. And Ahavat Hesed is tested with your own family. That's the place to start. Hashem says, if you're doing all this, as... As means, and then Hashem says, I'm going to skip. Tikra ya'ani. Then when you call, if you're doing all this, if you're worried about the people who need you, if you're taking care of your brothers and sisters, if you're worried about your cousins, if you're taking care of your neighbors, if you're giving people the time that they need and the service that they need and whatever you can afford to give them, if you're doing that, Hashem says, as, then, tikra. When you call me, you still have to call me. You have to ask me, tikra, vadonai ya'ane. Hashem says, guarantee, I'll answer you. Teshava, when you say, with your full energy, you're screaming, Hashem, I need you. Ve'yomar, Hashem says, Hineni, I'm here for you. I'm here at your service. Could you imagine that Hesed is the key to our Tfilot? And our Tfilot 
is the key to everything good that we want in life. Yes, you can get things without tefillah. People ask, what do you mean? People don't pray and they get money. People don't pray and they get clothing. The answer to that is also there are elephants in the world. What does that mean? Elephants also don't pray and they get food. Dogs also don't pray and get food. The world needs humans. And Hashem will give people food because we need humans in the world. But it doesn't mean you're getting the beracha. You're getting food like, a, like an elephant. Or you could be getting food directly from the hand of Hashem. That's why says Shalom HaMelech, be careful. Don't mix up things. There's money and there's money. There's food and there's food. There's clothing and there's clothing. There's a home and there's a home. And you have to be just 25 or 30 years old to know this is an experience. Not all money is good, not all homes are good, and not all cars are good, and not all things that Hashem gives you are good. Says Shlomo HaMelech in his own beautiful words, Birkat Hashem, He Ta'ashir. When you're getting it from Hashem directly, when it's the blessing of Hashem that gave you the money, you're an Ashir. When it's the blessing of Hashem that built your house, then you have a blessed home. Birkat Hashem is like the difference between fed like an elephant or fed from Hashem's hand. It's a whole difference. You know how when you go to eat my mother's food, it tastes so good. Everyone says their mother's food is the best. Why? I taste somebody else's mother's food. It doesn't taste the best. Of course, you have to say, oh yeah, wow. Your mother's food is awesome. But you're looking and saying, what my mother's food is better. What, what, what's up? And he tastes your food and says, well, my one's better. What's going on with that? The answer is, and you should know, it's important. The answer is that there is an element in the food. There's an ingredient in the food that will not show up physically. It's called love. Your mother loves you. And when she cooks, she's not just making food. She's giving you food like the restaurant gives you food. So in that way, there's no difference. The restaurant gives you food, your mother gives you food. Same, not the same. Because when she does it, she's putting love in it. And that love shows up in the taste. That love makes a difference. When you get a beracha, we call it beracha, not necessarily you're getting money from Hashem. You're getting money because that's part of the world. But imagine getting Hashem's money. Birkat Hashem is here. Here's your money. Here's your house. Here's your food. Here's what I'm doing. That's a he ta'ashir. Says Shlomo Melech, that's the only wealth. He, he means it's only that kind of beracha. Birkat Hashem, he. He excluding every other beracha. He ta'ashir. So we need tefillot for Birkat Hashem. But tefillot have nothing, no power, unless you come with a bag of hesed. If you're not involved in hesed, so you're coming in to ask, Hashem says, well, what are you, you're asking me for kindness? What are you doing? But if you come in, and you're taking care of your family, and you love it, and you love it, doing what you can for people, if you can, if you're that person, Hashem says, Astikra, Badonaya Ane. You call, I answer.
Hineni, I'm here for you. Who wouldn't love Hassan if you knew this? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't run like Abraham Avinu to help somebody in need? When you're realizing it's saving your family, it's saving yourself, it's saving your life, it's saving the seat of your grandchildren, it's taking care of your tefillot. Avat Hesed is a tremendous benefit to every single one of us personally. And we should never forget what it does for us. So once again, like we mentioned the last few weeks, you gotta look for those opportunities. And when it comes, we gotta thank those people. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to give you Hesed so I can get my Beracha. Without them, you'd be missing something. Baruch Allah Amen Amen.